We have been talking about um, living by faith. And today it's going to be a pretty simple message, uh, not just because of everything that's been going on and, and in my life and this week has been crazy, but I think um, sometimes we need to come back to a simple message that um, focuses us on the things that really matter. We try and get so complicated and we add so many things to it that sometimes I think we dilute um, the true value and uh, source of our faith. And today we're talking about the source of our faith. Um, uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, you have to open your own Bibles today. It won't be up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 10 uh, Starting in verse 36, this has been the uh, verse that we have been launching off of in this series. It says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You know, God wants you to receive what he has promised. Sometimes people think that he's just waiting to see who will do good enough, and then those that, that do it, he'll give his desire is that we receive, that everyone would receive the promise. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and he will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who have faith and preserve our souls. So we see in this verse that the key to receiving all the promises of God, including eternal life and salvation and freedom and, and all the things that God has promised us is to have faith and to not shrink back and not to, to walk away and not to be distracted and pulled into so many other things. But it says that if we do that, that he has no pleasure in us, but but Paul stands up and says, but we're not like that. We're not those that are going to shrink back, but we are those that have faith and preserve our souls. And so this idea of faith is, is the very uh, key to receiving all that God has. Now, uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've then moved on to chapter 11. And in chapter 11, God shows us what that faith looks like. If he tells us we need faith, he does not want us to try and figure it out ourselves. In fact, he's, he tells us you need to have faith. And then he shows us what faith looks like. And so as we have read through chapter 11, and we're not going to read through it today. But first of all, we looked at what does faith look like? Uh, what is the substance of faith? And we saw that, that it has five elements. That faith, first of all, is believing. It starts uh, in, a, in an acknowledgement in our head that we have to believe. But secondly, it is all about trusting. It's not just believing, but then we need to trust in God. And then we talked about that it is not just trusting, but it is responding. It is acting. Because if we say we believe and we say we trust, but we don't act on that, then 
faith is not really active. And, and so it is a response. It is obedience. But not only that, faith must have the fourth thing, which is treasuring. Faith is not just about an academic uh, knowledge and even an academic trust and then an academic acting out, well, I will do this to accomplish this. True faith comes out of passion. It is a treasuring of who God is. It is a, a, a heart passion. And if your faith is not a heart passion, then it is, it is a faith of the Pharisees. And Jesus said, if you're going to know me, you've got to have a better righteousness than the Pharisees. Because you see, they even went through the motions. They, they believed in God, they trusted in God, and they acted for God. But it was all just motions. Jesus is looking for people that are willing to say, you are my heart. And I treasure you. We treasure God. But then the final thing is, uh, it's not just to treasure, but then that treasuring needs to be put into action through sacrifice. You see, sacrifice proves what the treasure really is. Until we sacrifice for it, it's not truly treasure. Uh, we talked about Wednesday uh, in the book of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus himself said, the kingdom of God is like a, a treasure that a man found in the field. When the man found it, he hid it, and he went back and he sold everything he had so that he could come back and buy that field and get the treasure. You see, what proved the treasure was not that the man was so excited and had it, but that he was willing to sacrifice for it. You see, a lot of us, we say that we love God, and we probably truly do feel that way, but it's just an emotion. But if there is no sacrifice, then that emotion also is, is just superficial. And so this is the, the substance of faith. It is believing, it is trusting, it is uh, responding, it is treasuring, and it is sacrificing. All of those together are the substance of faith. And we saw that throughout chapter 11 uh, as God showed example after example of people that believed and trusted and then obeyed and then treasured him and then sacrificed. And so we saw the substance of faith. Then last week, last week we looked at the focus of faith. Um, it's one thing to have true faith, but it is so important that we have faith in the right things. And our focus needs to be on God. And we talked about this, that, that a, a true faith understands what we have faith in that we believe in God's power and, and, and God's passion. We have to believe that God is good, not just that God is God, but that he is good. And then we trust in his purpose and his plan. See, our focus is not my plan and my purpose, but I trust my faith is what God's plan is. Even if I don't agree, even if it's hard sometimes, but my, my focus of my faith is God's plan. Not my plan, not my way. Um, and then our obedience, our action is not the action that I choose, but it is focusing on God's principles. That I put God's principles into place in my life. And, and again, this is, this is not what I think is right, but it is the principles that God reveals in his word. 
So true faith um, is not focused on our idea of right and wrong. It is not focused on how we feel. But, but my faith is based and I will respond and obey to God's principles. And then the fourth thing is that we, we said the focus of our treasuring is we need to treasure simply the presence of God. We don't treasure what God gives us. We don't treasure what God can do for us. But faith is a faith that treasures the presence of God. I just want you, God. I, I realize that your presence is, is the most valuable thing. Um, and then finally, uh, faith that sacrifices, the focus of our sacrifice. See, so many times we sacrifice a lot of things, but a lot of times we sacrifice for the wrong things. And we sacrifice for the wrong reason. Maybe we sacrifice uh, to look good in other people's eyes. We sacrifice to say, look what I've done for the Lord. No. True faith, the focus of faith, is a sacrifice for God's pleasure. All I want is God to smile on me. If God does not smile on my sacrifice, on my believing, on my trusting, on my obeying, then it means nothing. So the focus of faith is not just God in general, but are these elements of God. The focus of our faith is we need to begin uh, to focus on the power and the passion of God. We need to begin to focus on the plan and the purpose of God. We need to begin to focus on the principles that God has given us. And we begin to focus on the presence of God in our life. And we begin to focus on the desire to please God. When our desire is to simply please God with everything we do, then faith will become active and strong. So today, we're going to take the next step and, and we are going to be in chapter 12. So we've looked at all of that, but let's read verses 1 and 2. And this is all we're going to get to today uh, in chapter 12. After reading all about all of those other people of faith, after reading about what faith looked like, this is what the author says. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, because of all that we've talked about faith, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us now lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So he says, now, we've talked about all these other people of faith. Now it's up to you. Now you need to begin to run the race of faith. You need to begin to live by faith. You need to begin to follow those examples and take step by step and begin to put it into practice. But here's the key verse, and this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about the source of faith. Where does that faith come from? How do I get that faith? Because how many know there's times where I feel like my faith is gone? I feel like I, I can't do it anymore. You know what? I've believed, I've trusted, I've obeyed, I've treasured, and I've sacrificed, and I'm empty. Do you ever feel like that? I'm just done. But faith keeps going. So where does that type of faith come? He Over and over, he talks about endurance. Remember in chapter 10, it says, you need to endure so that we might receive what God has promised. And here again, it says, lay aside all the weights and the sin uh, which ensnares us and run with endurance. 
Where do we get that endurance? Where do we get that faith that keeps us going? Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Right there. He is the source of our faith. Looking to Jesus, he is the founder and the perfecter. He is the one that gives us faith. He is the one that perfects our faith, that strengthens our faith, that brings it to completion. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. It's a real simple message. The source of our faith is Jesus himself. And not just Jesus, but it is the Jesus who was crucified and resurrected and sits in power at the right hand of God. You know what? Faith does not come from just trying to believe harder and harder. That's why the, the, the faith movement and the faith gospel uh, is, is so anti-biblical. And it will leave you empty and it will leave you broken because you cannot just believe hard enough. If you just believe hard enough, then you can claim the promises of God. That is absolutely not true. Because here's the thing, you don't have the ability to believe and to trust and to obey and to treasure and to sacrifice enough. We just don't have the ability. We know that. We've done it. We can do it for a short time. And I think all of us have. But there will all of us get to a place where my faith, the faith that I can muster up, will not get me past the line. You need to understand this principle. Faith comes from Jesus. It is a gift from God. And, and we cannot produce it in ourselves. It is up to Jesus. The source of our faith. Do you need faith? We need Jesus. Um, I love the, the story in Mark chapter 9. And you, you've heard me quote it so many times because this is, this is our essence of, of being. Um, Jesus was talking to the Father. And man, this touches our heart right now because I know what it feels like. This is where we are right now. Me and my family right now are crying out to Jesus, touch my, my, my grandson. I know my daughter and son-in-law are saying, touch my son. Jesus, we need you. The doctors can't even do enough right now. And this father came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you need to do something or I'm going to lose my son. I am at the end. I don't know what else to do. I have no faith. And Jesus says this, if you just believe. And what did the father say? Yes, I believe but God help my unbelief. In other words, I'm going to say the right thing. I'm going to give you the Sunday school answer. Yes, I believe. But can I be honest with you, Jesus? Help my unbelief. I, I have no belief. 
But this was a key. He cried out to Jesus. He came to Jesus. Here's the source of our faith. You need to come to Jesus. And you need to keep coming to Jesus. And you need to cry out to Jesus, even when you have no faith. You see, our only ability is to cry out to Jesus. But Jesus says, that's enough because I'll be your faith. And we know that Jesus touched his child. So here is the source of our faith. I don't know what you're dealing with. And sometimes things are going great and good and and it seems easy, but even when things are going good, I think even then we need to cry out to Jesus because here's the danger when we're strong and we think that we're okay and everything is going good, hey, I can handle this. You see, that's what the enemy is waiting for. He's just waiting for us to start to put our trust in ourselves again. We need to, when things are going great, we need to say, oh, Jesus, you give me your faith. Oh God, don't let me fall into that deception of thinking that I have faith. Jesus, give me faith. And then when things are bad and hard and you are dry and tired, again, come to Jesus. Jesus, I'm hurt. I doubt. I'm angry at you, God. But I'm coming to Jesus. See, those that are willing to come to Jesus in their pain, in their sorrow, in their not understanding, that's where you find faith. And Jesus will give the faith. Jesus produces faith in us. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. But we have to cry out to Jesus. And I know this is a simple message. And it's the foolishness of the gospel. In fact, this is what the Word of God tells us, that the gospel is foolishness to those in the world. Because, you see, in the midst of their unbelief and, and hardship, um, they just think it's foolish to look to a Savior who was tortured and killed. But yet this foolishness to us is salvation. It says, for those who will cry out to Jesus, even when you think it's foolish, just call out to Jesus. And then something miraculous happens, something that I can't explain. You won't be able to explain it, that God will give you a faith that was not there before. He will plant something within you. And I can't even tell you what, how he does it, but all I can tell you is that if you will just call out to him truly, sincerely, he will answer you. Now, there's two things, though, that it says. How do we come to Jesus? Um, it says in verse 2, it says, looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. The sense there is that there is a sense of releasing. Okay, In, in verse 1, it said that we need to release the, the weight and the sin which ensnares us. So when we come to Jesus, here's, 
Here's the first step to come to Jesus. You've got to be willing to let go of some things. You've got to stop looking to your own pleasure. You see, this is where we let go of those things that we have put our hope in. We have put our trust in, in friends, in, in um, uh, jobs, in money, in relationships, in family. Many of us, our hope and trust is in our family. And until we are willing to release that and look to Jesus. So when it says looking to Jesus, it is a sense of releasing. That you are willing to put those things aside and look to Jesus. So it is a turning. When it says looking to Jesus, it means turning away from one thing, but turning to Jesus. We have got to look to Jesus. I think we are looking to so many things. Our eyes are caught up on all these things. We're caught up on, on our sport that we're playing and we're caught up on a boyfriend or that girlfriend that we like. We're caught up on, on our plans for the future. We're caught up on uh, dreams that we have and those are all good. But if you look to those things, they will run you dry. We have got to look to Jesus. That means to humble ourselves. See, that's why many times it's only those that realize that they are hurting that many times find Jesus. Because if we think we're okay, you know, everything's all right, many times we don't look to Jesus. And that's the danger. Um, we need to be willing in the good and the bad to look to Jesus. But not only do we look to Jesus by letting go of things that are holding us back. Now, you might say, well, doesn't that take faith in itself? There probably is a, a small bit of pre-faith. It's more of a sense of uh, you know, you come to a point of, of um, desperation. It's more of a sense of acknowledgement. There's got to be something more. There's something within you that is desperate for something else. So it's not really faith. It's just a moving that, that I desire something better. Until you are willing to want something more, you'll never look to Jesus. And so it's not really faith, but when you look to Jesus, if you will finally just say, I'm not going to be satisfied with what the world has. I'm going to look to Jesus. I, and I think even Jesus probably gives you that dissatisfaction, that discontentment with the world. But it's when you will give in to that and begin to look to Jesus, then true faith, the faith that we're talking about living by, the faith that we've looked at that, that, that believes and trusts and obeys and treasures and, and sacrifices, that ability comes from Jesus. But what we need to do is just begin to be dissatisfied with the world and look to Jesus. I will choose. It's a choice to look to Jesus. The second thing and the, and the last thing, and we'll close with this. In verse 3, we read this. It says, not only look to Jesus, but consider him. Consider him. I think many times we look to Jesus because a lot of times we want something or we are hurting. And when we are hurting, we do look to Jesus because we're looking for anything. 
but it says consider him. That, that means that not only do we look to Jesus, but it says we consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. You see, when we look to Jesus, not only do we need to just call out to him, but we need to come back to the cross. We need to begin to remember what he did. When it says consider him, it means to think about it. You need to think about what Jesus did for you. You know what? When you have no faith, when you are hurt, or maybe even when things are going great, I want you to stop and think about what Jesus did for you. Every day we need to think about what Jesus did for us. This is the basic thing that our faith revolves around, the cross of Jesus. The source of our faith is the cross of Jesus. Jesus died that we might have faith. Without the cross, there is nothing. But it's not just the cross. We know this. The cross, when we say the cross, we're talking about the whole action of the cross, which that includes the resurrection and the glorification of Jesus. Every day we need to consider the one who suffered for us. When you're at the bottom of your pit, you need to know that Jesus was there first before you ever got there. And he was deeper than you'll ever go. He has felt more pain and sorrow emotionally, not just physically. You know, the physical pain that he took for you is one thing, but the emotional breaking, we need to just consider that. And it's not a pity. It's not that Jesus says, oh, you need to remember that so that you feel so bad and, and pity. It's not a pity. He says, consider this so that you know that I am there with you. You consider what Jesus did on the cross. You look in amazement at the love of Jesus at the cross because he is not pitying you. He is opening his arms wide and embracing you and saying, I am there and I know that's the source of our faith. When we consider the cross, when we consider the one who suffered for us, you need to know he did it for you. He did it with you. We know that this cross, this suffering of Jesus, this giving of himself out of treasuring, out of sacrifice, even though it took place at one point in time, in our perception, we are linear. We think of time going in one way, but God is outside of time. So this event of the cross is actually outside of time. And we know that the Bible says that he was crucified from the foundations of the earth. That even though the crucifixion may have taken place on a date at, at some point at 27 to 35 AD, that cosmic event had already taken place in the mind and heart of God from the very beginning. And that is the source of Abraham's faith and of Noah's faith. And everyone in, in chapter 11 that had faith, their faith came from the cross of Christ, even though it had not happened in their sense. That's why it said they had not received it because God knew that everything was going to come together with all of us. 
But the source of their faith was still the cross. The source of all of our faith is the cross of Christ. And so we need to consider him. We need to look to him, and then we need to consider him. But it says, not only is he the source of our faith, but it says he is the author of our faith, but he is the perfecter of our faith. When you begin to look to him and you begin to consider him and think about the cross and let the cross drive you to your knees, you need to understand that he then not only will give you faith, but he will perfect your faith. What does that mean to perfect it? It means to finish it. He will bring you through this journey that you're on. He will not let you go. He is going to strengthen your faith. In fact, he many times will put you in the middle of that journey so that your faith will become strong. In James, he tells us, consider it joy when you face these trials, though it feels like they are ripping your heart out. God, even while weeping, because he doesn't like seeing you hurt, but he knows you need to be hurt to bring a perfection of your faith, and he's going to bring you through it. He is bringing you to a place that says that your faith is going to be like a fine jewel that is going to be for your treasure and you will not regret it. In fact, I believe all of us are going to stand before God in the end and say, God, thank you. Because now you have given me life that is more valuable than anything that I lost in a lifetime on this world. But that's hard right now. I know we can't understand it, but you just need to understand that he is the author and the perfecter of your faith. And so let's look to him and let's consider him. Finally, it says, when we're looking and considering him, not only did he endure the cross, but it says that he is now seated at the right hand of God. As you're considering Jesus I want you to also know not only that he knows what you're feeling and he has endured the cross for you. But I, right now, I want you to consider that Jesus has overcome the cross. He's not on the cross anymore. He has overcome it. He has risen. He is alive and he is sitting at the right hand of God. So you are facing an enemy that has already been beaten. So when you are down, I want you to lift your head up and consider Jesus who though he suffered, he rose to life on the third day and he is seated at the right hand of God and he is interceding for you in power. He is able to deliver you, to strengthen you. When you have no faith, he is going to give you faith. And he wants to lift you up and let you know that this too will pass. And at the same time, when things are going great, I want you to consider what Jesus went through and where he is. And maybe it won't lift us up, but maybe that will lower us down because it's in those times that we need to drop to our knees in humility and faith will bring us to that place of deeper strength. So today... I just want to let you know that there's a source of faith for you. Whether you think you have faith or maybe you don't have faith, would you look to Jesus? Would you come to Jesus? Would you choose to consider him? And then would you receive 
what he has to give you. Let him give you faith. Let him be the author and the perfecter of your faith. All you have to do is receive. All you have to do is cry out like that father, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Today, I think there's a lot of us here today that need to say, God, help my unbelief. And let me stop thinking that I am all that. Let me stop thinking that my faith is so great. My faith is not as great as you think it is. And your faith is not as great as you think it is. We need to fall once again before Jesus at the foot of the cross and to begin to look to him and say, God, I, I'm not as good as I thought I was. God, you be the author of my faith. Let me not be the author of my own faith. Let me stop trying to create my own faith and let me consider you that you might be the author and the finisher of my faith. Because today, he doesn't want you just to start. He wants you to finish. And he's going to bring us to that place. Will you let him be the source of your faith? Let's bow our hearts today.